on uh, February 14th last year, you know, I'm kind of surprised that I'm as choked up as I am. Imagine how the family's feeling today. On February 14th of 2018, a gunman opened fire at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and killed 17 people. One year later, I think it's important that we take a look back at the lives that were lost. Aaron Feiss was a beloved security guard, assistant football coach. The team wrote on social media, they said he was shot while shielding students from the gunfire. Feiss, who worked mainly with the junior varsity team, leaves behind a wife and a daughter. He played football at the school before graduating himself in 1999 and going straight into coaching there. The sheriff called him a phenomenal man and one of the greatest people I knew. <clears throat> a sophomore football player said that Feiss was a great person. Everyone loved him. Shame he had to go like this always gave his all to making us better, lineman Gage Gaynor said. I definitely learned a lot from him. He died a hero, and he will forever be in our hearts and memories, the football team wrote. Alyssa Aladef, age 14. She had dreams of being on the U.S. women's national soccer team, she was described as a loved and well-respected member of our club and community by the Parkland Soccer Club. Honor Elisa by doing something fabulous in your life. Don't ever give up and inspire for greatness. Live for Elisa, be her voice, and breathe for her. Elisa loved you all forever, her family said in a statement released by the club. Her mom, Lori Aladef, has since won a seat on the county school board. She said she doesn't want any other parent to go through what she went through. Scott Beigel was 35 years old. He was another faculty member who died while trying to help students. Student Kelsey Friend told uh, a reporter that when she heard gunshots and realized it wasn't a drill, she followed other students toward the classroom. Um, she followed other students and Beigel unlocked the door and let us in. I thought he was behind me, but he wasn't. <coughs> Excuse me. When he opened the door, he had to relock it so we could stay safe, but he didn't get a chance to. Student Bruno Oliveira said she saw Beigel blocking the door. At orientation, he told us he was excited to open our eyes to what he saw, having traveled the globe, sending light and love to his family and loved ones. He was a geography teacher, a cross-country coach, grew up on Long Island. He also worked as a counselor at Camp Starlight in Pennsylvania and was engaged to a fellow counselor. His family set up a memorial fund to send students who couldn't otherwise afford it to camp. Martin Duque Anguiano was 14 years old. He was one of Isaac Briones's best friends. So Briones called him one of the nicest people I knew. 
Briona said he last saw Martin the day of the shooting during first period when they were just playing around, talking about jokes and stuff. The freshman was the proud son of Mexican immigrants. On Instagram, Miguel Duque wrote that words cannot describe the pain of losing his brother. He added, I love Brother Martin. You'll be missed, buddy. I know you're in a better place. Duque's forever, man. I love you, Junior. Martin was among the three cadets who were honored by the U.S. Army Cadet Command after the shooting. Nicholas Dwarit, age 17. Nicholas was a senior just shy of turning 18, had committed to swim for the University of Indianapolis. In a 2018 statement, the swimming coach, Jason Height, called him an energetic and very vibrant kid. He dreamed of swimming for the U.S. team by the 2020 Olympics, his family said. This kid was a dream, his father, Michael, told ESPN. He was the best of us. Jamie Gutenberg, age 14. Jamie was a first year who loved to dance and do gymnastics. She always stood up to bullies, her father Fred said, and she volunteered with a program that helped people with disabilities. And after the shooting, her father posted on Facebook to thank everyone who had shown support to him, his wife, and their son. I am broken as I write this, trying to figure out how my family gets through this. Chris Hickson, age 49, he was the married father of two who was the school's award-winning athletic director, and he coached wrestling. His passion. Hickson was also a U.S. Navy reservist who was deployed to Iraq in 2007. He wasn't shy about jumping in wherever he was needed, said his friend Diane. When a volleyball team needed a fill-in coach, Hickson took over. The same thing happened with the wrestling team. When the school needed someone to patrol the campus and monitor threats as a security specialist, Hickson did that too. It was in that security role that Hickson apparently came within range of the shooter. He belonged to a Roman Catholic church in Hollywood, Florida. Luke Hoyer was age 15. He was a loving, sweet person who loved basketball and smiled all the time, his Aunt Joan said. He was just a good kid, very loving, and just enjoyed life. She said Luke's parents, Jenna and Tom Hoyer, searched for their son at hospitals before finally going to the Law Enforcement Command Center, where they eventually learned he had died. It's just a terrible thing, said the family, including Luke's older sister, Abby, and brother Jake, who had spent Christmas with her family, his aunt's family, in South Carolina. We all just pretty much can't get over it. Kara Lochran, age 14. Kara was an excellent student who loved the beach and her cousins, according to her family. She was a member of the Drake School of Irish Dance in South Florida. The organization called her a beautiful soul who always had a smile on her face. Her aunt Lindsay wrote, I had to tell my eight-year-old daughters that their sweet cousin Carol was killed in the shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School yesterday. We are absolutely gutted. While your thoughts are appreciated, I beg you to do something, she wrote. This should not have happened to our niece, Cara, and it cannot happen to other people's families. Gina Montalto, age 14. 
Gina's uh, was a freshman who participated on the Winter Color Guard squad at the school. She was a Girl Scout, a church volunteer, a soccer player, and a great student. Her family wrote on a GoFundMe page that Gina also loved cooking, Harry Potter, fashion, spa days with mom, and New York Jets games with dad. After the shooting, her mother called her a smart, loving, caring, and strong girl who brightened any room she entered. One of her color guard instructors from middle school told the, the Miami Herald that Montanto was the sweetest soul ever. We're going to take a quick break and we will return with the remaining names. As we continue to pay tribute to the victims of the Parkland shooting uh, one year ago today, we have uh, arrived at Joaquin Oliver, who was 17 years old. He had spent the night before he died picking out Valentine's Day flowers for his girlfriend, and he spent that morning taking extra time to get dressed for the day. His heart was so big, his girlfriend, Victoria Gonzalez, told ABC News after the shooting, all he did was love everyone. His father, Manuel Oliver, told ABC News that when he dropped his son off at school that day, he asked Joaquin to call him and let him know how it went, giving Victoria the flowers. And then he never called me, he said. The 17-year-old was born in Venezuela and had become a U.S. citizen in 2017. He was a big Miami Heat fan, and he was buried in a Dwayne Wade jersey. Dwayne Wade got emotional when asked about it, saying he hurt for the family, and he hoped he was able to help them make some memories when Joaquin was alive. Manuel Oliver started an organization in his honor dedicated to empowering the next generation of gun law activists. Elena Petty, age 14, was another of the Junior Reserve Officers Training Corps, the JROTC cadets, who was honored by the U.S. Army Cadet Command. The 14-year-old loved to volunteer and serve others, her family said, and she helped rebuild areas of Florida after Hurricane Irma. Her selfless service brought peace and joy to those that had lost everything during the storm, her family said in a statement. Elena was also a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints congregation in Carl Springs. The Utah-based church lamented in a statement that we once again, we find ourselves as a nation and as communities faced with a tragic loss of life and incomprehensible sorrow and extend its love to the victims and their families. We unite our prayers with millions of others who are mourning and praying for them. Meadow Pollock, age 18. Meadow was a beautiful girl inside and out, her cousin Jake told the uh, reporter. He said she was the youngest of 10 grandchildren, which made the family very protective of her. Her father, Andrew, had previously made comments supportive of the president online. During a listening session with the president after the shooting, Andrew had strong words about the importance of school safety. All these school shootings, it doesn't make sense. Fix it, he said. We should have fixed it. And I'm pissed because my daughter, she's not here. She's not here. She's in Fort Lauderdale King David Cemetery. This is where I go see my kid now. Family friend Adam Schachtel said in a Facebook post that an angel was taken away from us in that horrific tragedy. No words can be said, so just prayers and sadness. Meadow had plans to attend Lynn University in Boca. 
Helena Ramsey, age 17, died while trying to help her friend Samantha Grady. Grady was injured but survived. Ramsey was described by one classmate as one of the kindest people I have ever met. The 17-year-old junior, who friends said took in two stray cats, also loved music and hanging out with friends and family. Although uh, somewhat reserved, she had a relentless motivation towards her academic studies. Alex, Alex Schachter, age 14, lost his mother when he was just four. His dad, Max, wrote in his eulogy, Max later remarried and Alex and his brother gained two sisters. They moved to Parkland for a new beginning. Alex played trombone and baritone and was a sweetheart of a kid. In honor of the 14-year-old freshman, Schachter started a scholarship fund to help other students experience the joys of music as well as to, uh, to help them get past what has happened. All right, we uh, need to take another break. We're going to take care of some business, and then when we return, we will finish this list. And uh, then I'm going to open up the phones for you to call in and express your feelings today at 877-850-8585. These lines are reserved for people who wish to talk about the shooting at Parkland one year ago today. Welcome back, and we are attempting at least to uh, name the victims of the shooting at Parkland High School one year ago today. Um, We're up to the Carmen Shentrup, age 16. Carmen was a smart girl with a sweet smile. She was a girl of many interests and talents, including reading, art, and music. She played three instruments, and her family said she was a dreamer who was going to change the world. We miss seeing her make her dreams come true. She was excited to start college and wanted to be a medical scientist so she could discover a cure for diseases like ALS. Her cousin Matt posted on Facebook that the 16-year-old had visited Washington State and was considering going to the University of Washington to get a reprieve from Florida humidity. She had also been accepted into the University of Florida Florida Honors Program. In September 2017, she was named one of 53 National Merit Scholarship Program semifinalists in the country. A day after she was killed, her her parents said Carmen was named as one of the finalists. Peter Wang, age 15, a 15-year-old JROTC student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, wasn't interested in status but wanted to help others. Like two of his classmates, Peter was honored with the U.S. Army's Medal of Heroism. His cousin Aaron said that Peter was last seen holding a door open so others could get away from the gunman. He wasn't supposed to die. Peter, who dreamed of attending West Point, was wearing his ROTC uniform when he died. West Point posthumously offered him admission. Those were the 17 who were killed on that day. There were another 17 that were badly injured on that day, and there were hundreds whose lives were inextricably altered that day. Um, Members of the school, members of their families, members of the community, And I guess um, everyone around the country had a reaction to the news that day. I remember exactly um, what was going on that day. I was here in the studio 
when the news broke on one of the cable stations that there had been a shooting in a school in Florida. Fortunately, we're all pretty uh, um, used to these events, and we just sort of watched with one eye to see where exactly the shooting was and who, who was involved and how many, um, how many students had been involved in the shooting. Um, and it became clear within minutes, it was probably around uh, uh, 10 minutes before I was going off the air, but it became clear that this shooting had taken place very close to home. You know, I live not, you know, not more than five miles away from Parkland um, and less than that from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was a, a hard, hard moment for people here in the South Florida area, to be sure. And I do remember that as I began to break the news before, and I, I think I stayed on a little longer, and I think as I, I began to break the news, I had, um, I had the sense that th this was going to end up being much worse than any of the school shootings that I remembered in recent memory. Um, primarily because we were getting overhead shots and there was a tremendous amount of police presence um, and yet it all seemed to be on the periphery. At um, 2.55, um, as the show was coming to an end, I got a text message from a friend who said um, that he had just received or his neighbor had just received a text message from their uh, daughter, who was a student, had been a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and was in her first year at college, and that she had texted them um, that she knew who the shooter was. And in that text, she included the shooter's name. And she was right. Um, and for the next 48 hours, what became painfully um, clear to, to everyone in South Florida was that uh, the shooter had been a very disturbed person who most people suspected instantly when they heard about it. And some people um, acknowledged afterwards that he had threatened to do exactly that. Um, we spent a lot of our time in the next couple of days watching funerals, um, watching parents and, and families just uh, grieving and in pain, hosting memorials, and then the inevitable, a uh, couple of days later, we began the inevitable debate about whether or not this could have been, um, could have, could have been negated, not happened, had there been um, something different in place, whether that something different is uh, gun control legislation, whether that something different is uh, guards, uh, at the schools, we we had a year, and in, during which time we have debated and argued these issues. Students from the school have been active, um, started many many uh, organizations. Some are di directly uh, to to lobby for gun legislation. Some uh, to comfort people who suffer from PTSD and other shootings, especially these mass shootings and um, in particular school shootings. So uh, out of the ashes, a number of phoenixes rose. Some personalities became front and center. Uh, most people um, would recognize the name David Hogg, who became a student who um, 
immediately uh, began a, a crusade um, and was very effective at organizing a crusade throughout the country. Um, other students began to emerge, Emma Gonzalez and others, um, who were eager to have their voices heard. So it is, uh, it is you know, certainly from the ashes, inevitably, um, phoenixes will rise. People will become motivated. One of the father, a number of the fathers and mothers have become motivated to run for school, uh, school board. Um, a Andrew Pollock has become an outspoken advocate for school safety and for holding people accountable who he feels failed his daughter Meadow and the other uh, young people and teachers, faculty members at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas that day. And he has, uh, you know, just been instrumental in getting the attention of the new governor as well as the president of the United States to his desire that we do more about school safety. And I don't think there's anybody um, in this audience who wasn't somehow affected or touched by this tragedy, um, none more profoundly than the families and and students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. But I thought that um, you're going to hear lots of interviews throughout the day. You're going to hear lots of people um, talking about the things that haven't happened, that should have happened in the year since the tragedy, uh, including uh, monies being spent appropriately on school safety. You're also going to hear some heartbreaking um, memories from family members and loved ones. And I thought I would give you an opportunity, this is so atypical of me, um, to open up the telephone lines and allow you to express your sentiments about this an anniversary, if you could call it that, more like a memorial of the shooting that took place one year ago in Parkland at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School campus. So uh, I'm going to do that. I know there's uh, frustration, there's anger, there's lots of things, lots of emotions that come up. But I would uh, like this to be a, a, a civil discourse, something where we honor the memories of the victims and their families are, are um, perhaps comforted by our emotions rather than uh, anything. Uh, this is not an opportunity for you to call me up and talk about the wall or to talk about the, you know, the, the fights in Congress or the, you know, the, the books or, or whatever by the FBI agents. It's just today's not the day for that. Uh, and uh, and I would appreciate it if you could stick to the subject matter and express either your condolences to the family members or perhaps you want to um, remember where you were when you found out that day and your connection to this tragedy. So we are going to open those phone lines at 877-850-8585. That's 877-850-8585. Um, please understand that the call screener is going to ask you a few questions and try to establish um, what you want to talk about. We ask you to honor whatever you say you're going to talk about. That's what you need to talk about. And if it's not a subject we're talking about today, then um, just uh, please forgive us for not being able to, you know, to to get on with the the show as we would on any other day. We have set this day aside. As most uh, local radio stations and television stations have to deal primarily with the tragedy that took place here one year ago today. I also know that it is Valentine's Day and there are plenty of people out there 
who are going to be sad uh, about people who are no longer with them on this Valentine's Day, whether it was as a result of this tragedy or anything else. Um, so, you know, my heart goes out to those who are grieving for whatever reason. And my hope is that we can use this time to be somewhat constructive in our conversation. And of course, I'm always grateful when students are activated, no matter whether I agree with them or not. And last year's shooting at a Florida high school certainly did spark a movement among the younger generation. Um, I had promised that I would take some calls if you would like to weigh in on this one-year memorial uh, to the students and the families and the faculty at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Uh, please feel free to do that now. We have a caller on the line, Jackie in Lake Worth. You're on the air, Jackie. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning. Thanks for opening your show to calls. I listen to you every day. Thank you. Um, I don't have a direct connection, but I did hug my 10th grader a little a little tighter this morning. Yeah. I sent him off to school, and um, he was the one that told me about the shooting via text last year um, because he's in marching band, and a lot of his friends down at Broward, uh, they compete together. And uh, he was getting those texts and sending them to me. Mm-hmm. And he was just rocked by the whole situation, as everyone else was. So mm-hmm. we're just sending love today to those families that lost their children. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you speak for a lot of parents who, you know, who, who feel as though they were spared. Um, because they sent oh, their yeah. kids off that day to school and never thinking that there would be a tragedy of this magnitude. Right, you think they're going to a safe place when they go to school, and I know there's been a lot of changes this year, which everyone's so grateful for. Yeah, have you? Well, has your like son? Said, you just, yeah, has your son experienced um, you know changes that that make him feel safer at his school? Yes, he has told me they do active shooter drills now regularly, and we get messages from the principal and the day they're happening, and um, there's a lot of communication. There's Uh, more police presence on the campus and they have only one entrance and exit now Mm -hmm. yeah some of those things seem so um so clear after the fact um but you know but we we as a society have to be more proactive in 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 protecting not just our children but our communities because this isn't going to stop this isn't you know the the world is more chaotic than it's ever been before and the people who are disturbed or on the fringe are going to act out that's exactly what we saw happen in this instance so you know we've got to be prepared for anything correct um i know their school is having a week of kindness every day or a day of kindness this week every day this week nice and today they had their moment of silence for marjorie stoneman and douglas and so it's a somber day it is it is a somber day like i said it seems poetic that it's also a day of love and we just want to share that 
Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much, Jackie. I appreciate your call and, of course, your emotion. I, I, the same thing happened to me when I started the show. You know, sometimes you think you have it together and then you just, you can't, <laughs> right. you can't, you know, speak without crying. But that, that just proves that, uh, that our hearts are bigger than our brains. All right. Thank you so much Thanks. for calling, right. Jackie. Appreciate it. Um, and I think that's really true. One of the things that I learned, um, last year and, and look, I have been reporting, um, breaking news of this kind for 29 years. I was on the air when the Oklahoma City bombing took place. Um, there was a daycare center in, in the first, on the first floor of that building. Um, reporting that was horrific. There was nothing on television but um, firefighters and, and first responders carrying babies out in their arms, many of whom were obviously um, not alive. Um, there were people who were just, uh, you know, devastated, wandering the streets with a dazed look on their face. And I was on, I was on the air the day that nine uh, eleven took place. And uh, in case people forget, we watched uh, horrific scenes: people jumping out of, you know, hundred story f- buildings. Um, and and I I I am better at the moment than I am. Uh, after the fact, because I think that what ends up happening is you become overwhelmed um, when you realize that those dangers are still out there, that some things are changed and many things are not changed. And for the individuals who were there that day, many of whom are now away at college, the level of uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome is enormous. Uh, Today is going to be a traumatic day for many of the residents of Parkland, in particular for the families who were so directly affected, um, whether they lost a child or they have a child who is still dealing with uh, tremendous disabilities and illnesses as a result of what happened that day. Stay where you are today. We are talking about the Parkland shooting. It is one year. We're going to talk in the next hour. What's changed in the year since the shooting? 